podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Our week six review coming up very shortly. Iron Mike in the house, his regular spot. He's our review resident and he's got a lot to be getting into. The Ravens rolling, the Cowboys getting the job done in a thriller against New England. Dak Prescott banged up. Wonder how serious that is going to be. Oh, the Chargers getting derailed by Baltimore. We'll look into that a bit more. Arizona staying unbeaten. The Raiders sticking it to the haters all kinds of stories to be getting into and of course that thrilling finish at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it's so much fun doing the BBC game with OC with J Bell with Iron Mike Katie Shannon dropping by as well fine crew lots of fun we'll get into all of that and more maybe even sneak in a few questions from the mailbag as well so you're in the right place sit back relax and enjoy our week six review I'm Mike in the house. Good to see you. But what we should probably open with is the fact that I was planning to open the show by shouting out to you. I own you. I've always owned you until uh, it became apparent that you would have had no idea what I was talking about because you missed Aaron Rodgers's uh, chest puffing to the Bears fans. And you would have taken that as a very aggressive opening gambit, Mike, I guess. It was. It would have been a very aggressive opening gambit anyway. I'm glad you told me about it, though, so I can be prepared now. Now I'm going to have to. Now I'm going to have to. You know, scour the headlines. Maybe Kirk Cousins said something really good. <laughs> well, listen, you got to, You're going to the wrong places, Mike. TMZ is where the action's at. On a moment. <laughs> Let me tell you. Good to see you, bud. Fresh, of course, from a fine stint at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday. Mike and I were covering the game, uh, as I hope you all know. I hope you were watching us on the BBC. Although different setup this time around because uh, of COVID restrictions. So we couldn't have all, all four of us in the booth. So Miyoshi and J-Bell up top and I and Mike uh, down pitch side, right in the thick of it, along with the excellent Katie Shanahan. And you look like you were having a lot of fun, Mike. Uh, a lot more than I would have had with you three guys. That, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> no, Katie was great. One anecdote from the pregame, because doing those rehearsals, I and Mike, just a sound check, we throw down to Mike and Katie, make sure they can hear us as, as Mike was suggesting. One of my favorite moments of... Uh, all the years you and I worked. Which was... Yeah, there's a funny thing about that because all of your favorite moments tend to put me in the bra- in a bad light. But yeah. go ahead, I, I can guess what's oh, coming. My. One of my favorite moments is singing karaoke with you in New Orleans, Mike. And that was definitely <laughs> yeah, and that shows me in a great light. That was a great light. Mustang Sally was a great great moment. Was I'm Mike saying thanks, Dad? I'm here, pitch side, and speeding, 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 and all the Micah maniacs behind me. And Mike turns around and tries to hype the crowd up and one guy gets up and and everyone else is just looking utterly yeah they were they were in a different section they were you couldn't see them on camera i thought that's what it was that's what no i know you were getting a lot of love down there bud so that was great to see and uh it was uh good to have you uh on the broadcast as ever let's talk about the game that we saw then so what the things you mentioned that when you're pitch side, when you're that close to the action, you miss out on certain things, but you catch other things. Talk us through the former. What are the things that you see you're more perceptive to when you're that close? To yeah, the, the most interesting one is 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 that while they're near you, especially, you get a much better idea of the way the lines are playing. And so in the first quarter, 
I mean, the first thing I think I said to you guys was Jacksonville really is dominating the pit, the, you know, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And Miami was fun, finessing them in a sense, or trying to finesse them. They, Miami could not run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and, um, I think I was Def- described it as patty cake is how he described yeah, it. Yeah. And defense defensively, line. I saw a play, the one just before you came to me where, 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 um, they were completely confused on defense. Nobody knew where they were supposed to be. Right. Um, and and um, O.C. had spotted that up from up above, which is usually the way you, you see that, obviously. Well, let's key um, in on that because you had Xavier and Howard and Byron Jones, of course, the, the, the one and two corner punch out. Uh, key emissions on the offensive side of the ball as well. Did we underplay that a little bit? I mean, of course, we talked about it and, and each of those players – significant Devontae Parker Preston Williams out on the receiving side but it it felt as if here are four certainly three of the best players on this Miami roster and they're all missing and I'm not sure whether that was talked up enough uh, probably not um and and I thought you know I, I thought that um the lack of wide receivers, Miami was using their tight ends basically. And it, right. early in the game, it was easy to see what they were doing. And then eventually um, Jacksonville adjusted and started mm. taking away, which we also was able were all, But, you know, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, you've got to put the ball into the hands of your playmakers like Jalen Waddle. But the reality was Jalen Waddle had 10 catches for 70 yards. Right. Um, you know, not, never did he get, a big gain out of any of those quick passes. His big value to them was opening up the field under for the uh, tight ends underneath Mm. to go down, down the seams when they were able to do when they caught them in zone coverage, mostly. Um, And defensively, you could see the way Brian Flores was out thinking them sort of, but Trevor Lawrence made up for that. And, I think Miami really lacks Trent green got into this a little bit. Um, I think they really made a mistake in letting Kyle Van Noy go. Go, You're right. Um, Because they thought Van Ginkle was going to replace him and they drafted Jalen Phillips. Who's going to be, I think a good pass rusher in the league, but he's kind of a one trick pony. Mm. Van Noy may not be great, but he's smart and you can use him in a variety of roles and know he's going to perform pretty well. So yeah. he can be a pass rusher. He can do coverage. He can be an inside linebacker, you know, and a plugger. And, and they miss, I think they miss that flexibility. That might've been a tough, and they missed Devin God show as well, because Ray, Raquan Davis had a, a brief spell where he was really effective inside, but you really want rotation inside. So mm. I thought, I thought Miami should have won the game, obviously. Um, I think they got a couple of bad breaks um, and there were a couple of plays that didn't go their way. They should have had a bigger lead early and that came back to haunt them. Um, And Trevor Lawrence did make a difference. You know, Miami had things covered and Lawrence managed to escape coverage enough to keep, to keep plays alive. James Robbins had. It's interesting what you said about the line, because of course the the Jacks bang, very banged up on, on that line and missing center. And they were, play calling to get him out of the pocket a lot of yes, the time, wasn't it? De- definitely. And that was danger. that was going to be the that was going to be the the kind of real battle because the Dolphins were more or less scheming their pass rush like a Bill Belichick team. It's not it's not two great ends coming down and crashing down on you. It's it's schemes and, and it's guessing when you're going to pass. And when you're in the, and when he was in the pocket, he was always under pressure because they reacted to it. So they got most of the time they were trying to get him out of the pocket. Yeah. And, and that worked really well because he throws really well on the run. You know, and I, you know, and 
I think as the Dolphins became one dimensional, um, that's always it's always harder to work because one mistake's going to kill you. Um, right. And, you know, two is one interception was was a real killer for that. So what the, the, we try to work out in the booth that the, the, whether the rib injury was the, the primary cause of that pick because he underthrew it. So I don't think I don't think so. Well, I think you he, are buying that. I just, well, I just think it was a bad throw. Mm. You know, I, I think he thought he could he could place that in uh, out as a low line drive throw. Yeah. Um, and and there was a lot on of it, juice right? on it. There was a lot of juice on it. I mean, did you, I, I thought he underthrew it. I mean, he obviously underthrew it, but I mean, I didn't he think did he had much it, zip yeah. on it. I didn't think yeah. he had much zip on it. Probably. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that was the time the injury came back, came back to haunt him or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think the, the real things were those two challenges. Um, the back-to-back the, Flores challenges, when yeah, he, and, he hadn't thrown one all season. <laughs> and and the first one was inexplicable to me, simply because... I thought I didn't have a great view of it, obviously. So when they ruled it a completion, I said, fine. And then they changed the ruling, which unprompted, you know, um, I didn't even see the officials gathering to change mm. it. It was as if someone had come down in, in, um, John, straight away in, said, in John um, Hussey's ear and said, change that. Mm. So they did. So when Flores challenged it, my first thing was, are you challenging the original ruling or the change of the ruling? <laughs> because because John Hussey is not going to overturn himself. He's one of the toughest referees yeah. to give a challenge. And so yet, that, I, that one, it's a great point. So you've got the, that fact alone, the knowledge of the crews that you're dealing with and, and the likelihood of, uh, yeah. of depending on how dogmatic they are, but also the, the core principle, which we, we touched upon on the show, which is Flores is going to get the criticism for that. And the head coach, because he is the one physically throwing the red flag, will always get the criticism. But he's got people around him telling him whether it's a challenge or not. Uh, it's Yeah. And, and I mean, looking at the replays as best we could, I could see where it was the kind of call where either way you're not going to overturn it. But then the question is, why did you call it complete in the first place? Mm. You know, it looked like his hand was underneath the ball and, and, you know, you you hear them trying to make excuses um, like, Oh, well, he was using the ground, the pressure of the ground kept it in possession, but if it didn't hit the ground, if if his hands underneath it, Mm. It's a completion. That's how you, you know, that, that's how you catch the ball. Well, if it doesn't get the ground, sure. But yeah. yeah. So, and then the, the next one, I think the same thing applies. And and I know that New York makes those calls, not John Hussey, but I, but I'm sure when the referee says, well, I don't think, you know, think so that will have some effect on it or, or he's not going to argue with it. And, and that one to me, I thought he, I thought his finger touched touch the ball it, but it reminded me of that on it but i mean he had to watch it about 27 times and that's the point yeah. isn't it It just wasn't yeah. clear cut and it's only yeah. going to get overturned if it is that's right that's exactly the point and it reminded me of the um julian edelman one mm. um the famous croquet <laughs> croquet ball through the but that one they called a fumble and then overturned it yes because, right. and, and to me the evidence was less clear cut was more so in this game that the finger had hit mm. Um, and that, but you know, you can almost feel that kind of, I don't want this game to be decided on a, on a fluke play like this. And of course I'm the guy who, who was, um, who bigged up Jamal and I do at the start of the game. So I should be saying, well, yeah, okay. He didn't fumble that. That's Jamal. I knew out there. He's my man. He's fine. He wouldn't make a mistake like that. Well, let's talk about how the game was decided. And we've got to give props to the under fire, the much maligned urban Meyer, because, it was a, an extraordinarily sharp call and passage of play, wasn't it? Because as the guys in the booth 
uh, on the comms team, I should say. So Trent Green, I think it was specifically said, you got two options here. You're either going to flip it around lateral central, try and, you know, make a miracle happen, or he's going to heave it up to the end zone, buy a bit of time, scramble around to give his receivers time to get there. And then Biff and, and Baker style, <laughs> see if you can pull it off. So he fires a line drive of his own in. And at the, at first glance, I thought, um, Carlson, you were probably five steps ahead of me uh, as per, but he fired that in and I thought, well, what? <laughs> that was a ridiculous play. That was a waste. And then suddenly I realized the penny dropped. Br brilliance. Bam, fires it in. Timeout called. Two seconds left. Such smart play. Um, I was really surprised they made it was five seconds down to one. And I was really I was really surprised that there was still a second on clock when I looked up. I um and I understood what they were what they were trying to do when he when he threw it like that. And it was thrown low, low, which meant the receiver was on the ground. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you know, I, he's not automatically down, but he had somebody on him. And so, you know, you almost you almost could hope that you didn't need to call the timeout. But yeah, I don't know who called it. Well, you know, whether it was Daryl Bevel or um, Urban's or taking Urban. the credit, I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, well, but it, it was it was a really smart move and uh, and right made it pay off yeah. um, the right stuff, as it were. Nice. Um, and he'll be, and yeah, the crazy thing about this is Josh Lambeau after the buy will be back probably. And, you know, this guy will be back on a practice squad or maybe even out of the league. I don't know. Better. You know, I don't see how you can do that. You know, Lambeau's been a really good kicker right. in, in the past, but kickers go through these periods, you know, and um, I don't see how you could, how Wright could make 250 plus field goals in the most clutch of cir circumstance. I mean, when he made the one that tied the game, the Jacksonville players in front of me were running down the field like they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, tur I turned to Katie and said, they haven't even won the game. <laughs> What was your sense on the sidelines, Mike, of Miami and Jacksonville in terms of fan base? Was it pretty even in the stadium? Um, it seemed that way at the beginning, but by the end of the game, it was it was very pro Jacksonville. All right. Um, I don't know whether that reflects the fact that they're London's team or whether it reflects Trevor Lawrence or whether mm. they just you know like the idea of of uh, the comeback the comeback victory um but we were behind our position was behind the jacksonville bench so most of the time I, my vision was being blocked by cook the punter <laughs> who who was constantly taking snaps and bouncing the ball off his knee and then taking snaps as a holder for the place kicks and then taking more sand and then passing the ball around very considerate of it mike when you got to yeah, well to he went in and shanked the punt right after he, <laughs> he got in my way and said serves you right you want it to you want it but the um so on trevor lawrence i want to get your take on tour uh, and also the the situation for miami going forwards because they're not going to make the playoffs this season now pretty uh, obviously, given uh, they fall into one and five, barring you know some kind of miracle happening, right? So, final thoughts: seeing Trevor Lawrence first time up close and personal, the good and the bad from Lawrence. You could summarize his key attributes, what really impressed you, and stuff that he needs to work on. You know, I, I would take mostly positives away mm. from it. You know, I, I I don't see much that he did that he did wrong. Um, they audible once. I think he didn't, doesn't do that much, but it, he has the problems in the, in the pocket, but that was really the line. He, he did sense a rusher coming at one point, you know, and, mm. and from the blind side, got a, pa a good pass away. Um, before, there was one decision, bad decision he made when he was, when he was scrambling through and probably should have just either slid or gone out of bounds and then went for the throw. And, uh, you know, there, so a couple of, but that's 
par for the course of the rookie. That's part, yeah, rookie quarterback. I think you know, I think he he showed nothing that would say, oh God, they took this guy first overall, you mm-hmm. know, um, and decided he was going to be their starter. Yeah, I, I thought you know he, he's he's going to be a solid quarterback in the league uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And and um, what about Tour? Is Tour going to be a solid quarterback? That's a stranger question. He looked really good at times. He made a couple of bad decisions. One was one was actually the inverse of that. He should have kept the ball mm. um, and taken a first down, and you know, and but he but he threw the ball away. Um, his accuracy comes and goes. Uh, he didn't get much of a chance to throw the deep ball, but when he threw it, that which I always think is his strong point. Yeah, right. He's uh, got it. That was, but I, I I really think that Miami more than Jacksonville wants to be a run first team, mm. uh, but they don't have the horses. They it's don't have the line. To, it's to a great be able point. To the do line, or, uh, yeah, and, and I guess Gaskin has been banged up, and, and perhaps it still isn't. I mean, yeah, he didn't look. Of, he didn't look a hundred percent. Whereas the other two guys week, looked better. And Malcolm Brown, it. I thought, had a pretty good game because yeah. he made he made a couple of key pass blocks that otherwise yeah. Tua was a dead man. They will be in the in the hunt. You'd think for uh, for a running back and probably to strengthen that line that's but you, they've been uh, trying you know, to strengthen the line for years so you know it's yeah that's true and it's not playing out but the the i i think you could overreact one can overreact to the tour situation for the going full circle the point you made right at the top he was without and because definitely will fuller's hardly you know played five downs in the, this season and that was always a gamble taking an injury yeah and, receiver, and like, that was yeah the and that around. i was just about to say that but you know they got him because they know two has got the deep ball right and um you know, and, and he was the guy to take advantage of that. I think what we saw in the end was two not very good teams, you know, teams that lack, they lack consistency um, mm. to make, to make plays uh, when, when they need to, they're, they're not so strong. Although I said Jacksonville dominated up front early, neither team is particularly strong um, up front. They don't, they're not deep enough to survive serious injuries and and mm. right now they don't really have the big time playmakers that some of the better teams do so have. yeah i i think their their teams it's a it's a shame because it's a step backwards for miami yeah um and it's well, the not- buffalo had this situation in maybe not to the same degree but under mcdermott didn't they they had a, a you know a step back before they went forward so yeah and, and teams and, and teams do you know yeah. and maybe we got too excited last year but miami had a good defense last year i mean yeah. they played really well defensively most yeah. most of the season uh and this year obviously they don't i'm not putting it all down to van noy um but you know but things just aren't click they're not meshing the way um that i think they they expected them to do to mesh this season and well that's um you know neither team is going to get in the playoffs i don't think i don't think a second team is going to get in the playoffs from either of those divisions um you know so even chasing the wild card maybe it may be too late now Oh, there's no, there's no, they're not, not Miami are making the playoffs uh, disappointingly. Uh, batch that up, clip that up, Ollie, because that, you can play that throughout the postseason. Let's follow Carl Van Noy. Uh, of course, he's gone back to New England this season. Wild game between uh, Dallas and the Patriots. Uh, the, the, the Cowboys edged in the end, but it was, I think, maybe. Not necessarily the game we expected. I think a lot of people thought that, <laughs> no. that New England would neutralize this offense and it would be quite a low-scoring uh, affair. Quite the opposite. And once again, Mike, we're coming out of this with everybody raving about Kellen Moore and the offensive genius Kellen Moore is, and he's going to land a head coaching gig next season. Yeah. What do you make of that particular battle, the offense versus this uh, attritional Patriots defense? Attritional is a good word for it. Um, 
like like Miami, you know, you can see the similarities with Flores and what they want, what what they want to do most of the time is to get you into third down and then anticipate what you want to do and take that away from you. The problem we looked at before the game with Bill and and Dallas was Dallas doesn't have one guy you can you can you know Bill's thing has always been take away yes, their best right, weapon and make right. them beat you with Way something you else. Yeah. Dallas has a lot of good weapons, you know. Right. So that that's a difficult proposition. So what they were trying to do, it looked to me, was was to play situationally and then and then try to capitalize on it. And it worked pretty well in in some ways. You give up points, but but they could afford to. What can stop is injury for Dak. I guess could he's having an MRI today, so we got to keep a close eye on that. We're recording this Monday early afternoon. I mean that would be could be the return of the noosh, Mike. If that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ben Denucci. Dak, Dak was very impressive. You know, he stood in against the rush very well. The Patriots nearly got to him any number of times, but didn't. Um, he got rid of the ball into the right places most of the time. Yeah, uh, he made a couple of, of really good throws. The one, um, the one to Wilson on the um in the overtime the over the shoulder on fourth and yes whatever it was fourth and eight or something that was a brilliant throw and catch uh you know they they got lucky in 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 a couple of ways so off that um for you know when they had third and 25 or whatever you know it should have been really that's where the patriots made their you know their big mistake but it's where when you have five weapons out there you can do it i I love I love the way that Kevin Harlan calls passing plays. You know, he's like, and that play, you know, and he completes a pass to the receiver, uh, and then he's waiting for the spotter to tell which who is he. Who is he? Well, it's it almost this season half of Harlan, I guess, in that respect. Yeah, and well, that Trayvon Diggs uh, getting a huge amount of buzz as defensive player of the year, and rightly so, he's been in lights out form. His seventh interception of the season uh, returned uh, for a, a score, of course. Mike, what makes him such a good that's a good that's an interesting question and i honestly um interceptions are kind of like fumbles in a way where where you think it's you're in the right place at the right time and the ball comes to you as opposed to making plays but that's not that's an exaggeration because you have to make plays to get to get interceptions he's got good ball skills um he seems to be able to find crowds he you know like like leaving you know, following the quarterback's eyes, leaving his position as his own or man to, to get to where the ball's going. And it, and it's been remarkably successful. Mm. Um, and, and it was a great return. <laughs> that was, that was the best part uh, to watch. And, but like I say, the, I, I, to me, that was kind of the key play of the game. Yeah. Um, and Mac Jones has taken a beating. I mean, this, this guy's been hit a lot. Um, it's, it, yeah. if it continues at this pace, it's going to be David Carr kind of level. Oof. Um, but he's still making plays. He, he did hangs. it right off the back of that, right? I mean, he, yeah, you know, he yeah, on, and, the, on the very next drive. And and to me, there was the other key play of the game was an uncalled, and and you, you know, you, you can't really complain in a sense if you're New England because I've got the penalty. Dallas had 12 penalties for 115 mm-hmm. yards, which is a Blandino all by itself. <laughs> and and the Patriots only had five for 47. But, you know, when you look at those Dallas penalties, a couple of them were really gruesome. You know, I mean, the hold, the hold and personal foul where, you, you know, you're grabbing a lineman's horse collaring another lineman from behind when he's beaten but right. but the one the one um that didn't get called was in the overtime when new england had third and three and Nikhil harry was out there and, and mac jones threw to his outside shoulder and um anthony brown was 30 was the um 
defensive back. And he basically turned Harry around <laughs> so that he couldn't reach over his outside shoulder. And, and you knew it was a penalty because Jim Manns said, and no flag on that. <laughs> Just very, <laughs> yeah. you know, very, very low, dry. very, very low key, but you, you knew that he'd seen it. And then Bill, that. of course, punted on fourth and three, mm. which is another thing. I think it's a big item of discussion this week is, is he's, he's, He's playing very conservatively because I don't think he thinks that they can get the big plays to win games. So mm. he's kind of playing in the hopes that his defense is going to get him the wins. Mm. And I don't know if there's, you know, unleash the Mac. I don't know if that's, that's really, I don't know if, if you can do that, you know, if you I can do that now, or do you think he's just never going to be that kind of quarterback? Um, I think it's a now situation. Mm. I think he's not quite, fully he doesn't fully trust him to and mac in fairness you know is not a breakdown kind of quarterback where where if the play breaks down because you know on fourth and three they're going to be coming at you right but mac's not going to be able to sprint to the outside and make mm-hmm. you know um now maybe they ought to experiment with more rolling pockets or whatever sure um one thing i'm, I'm surprised about and we, we got into this a little bit on uh Edge rush, I think, last week. But Hunter Henry, who got another score, of course, in this game, but only three receptions between him and and Johnny Smith. And the latter has barely been used, Mike. And we came into the season thinking, oh, okay, well, the acquisition of these two, we're going to see a a return to to a two-tight end set, and they're going to be, particularly with a rookie quarterback, a fundamental part of this offense. Why do you think they McDaniels hasn't explored that further? It's a really, a really difficult one to figure out. I mean, I there were two factors going on. One was the overpay for Hunter and Smith and Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Right. None of whom are game breakers. They're not number ones in that. I mean, Henry and and Smith are probably top 10 tight ends basically, Yeah. but not the top five. You know, they're they're not the guys you game plan against. Ditto Aguilar. Aguilar had the one big season. They haven't used him the way the Raiders did um last year uh as a deep threat deep threat right um born is what he is you know a good good receiver good number two say um harry's never going i don't think harry's ever going to be anything better and and jacoby myers is a number two kind of guy who you know he got a two-point conversion he's never gotten a touchdown he's got yeah. more passes without a touchdown than anybody in nfl history <laughs> um because he's not a big play play you know he doesn't get those breakaway plays he's a possession mm-hmm. you almost the definition of a possession receiver so mm-hmm. you know why they're not using the tight ends more is problematic because if you have the two, why not go to them? And they drafted two the year before, um, Keen and Asiasi, but who barely get on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would be looking for them to use more like three tight end sets because mm-hmm. you know, both Smith and Hunter are mold, you know, can can get down the field. Well, it plays to everything. You know, the points you've made, it's a leaky line. It's a, a, a quarterback they're using conservatively in short game. Uh, and it's it's the it's the the comfort blanket mechanic that a rookie yeah. quarterback enjoys. The best the best way I can explain it is that it. I think their image they wanted to be a run first team, mm. and the tight ends so far have pretty much done their job better than I expected as blocking tight ends. Mm. Um, but the line hasn't. They thought their offensive line was good. Everybody did. I thought the offensive line was going to be the strong, strong yeah. point of the team. Trent Brown's been out 
most of the time. The other guys, there's a couple of COVIDs, there's, there's an injury. On oh, you has been really good consistently. But the offensive line is not as strong as it was supposed to be. And I think what, what that means is they, they're trying to be overly protective offensively. They're trying not to open things up with the tight ends. Uh, they ran the ball really well, or at least Harris did. And, and Ramon Day Stevenson had a, you know, a couple of good runs as well. But, he's just glad he got the ball at all. I think he knows that is it, maybe he's still got well, a shot. <laughs> yeah, you see, that, that's what I was about to say. But, but you know, Harris lost the first game with a fumble. Stevenson then had a big fumble later on and Bill benches them like yeah, they, you know, yeah. like they were rookies, which, yeah. you know, which they, in a sense, Harris is and, yeah. and Stevenson is certainly is. Um, I don't know if it, you know, you remember when Tom Coughlin cut, what was his yeah. name? His name was Mac uh, running back from Temple pretty good running back and he fumbled twice in one game and and he and he, he got him. cut because Coughlin games, was the tiki barber it was, he was of course famous he got made yeah tiki, and, and, he, and he he made tiki carry but but the the thing was that he didn't you know he didn't cut his starting running back when his starting running back fumbled sure. um and and it's one of those things i'm not sure that works uh mm. especially with the young players anymore you know? is that the key doesn't work anymore it's an old, I, old school i saw stevenson probably lost a couple of yards on one of his runs because he had two hands around the ball where if he'd had one on the ball he might have been able to make a cut a bit right. a bit harder but you know and i said to myself oh he's you know he's no way he's going to fumble that one um but you know i i just think new england's probably a year away uh, which is going to be a problem for them because they'll have other, you know, they've already let Stefan Gilmore go for nothing, basically, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I always think is a bad sign for teams. Um, it was one of my problems with Jacksonville was they were letting guys go for, for you know, um, Joe Schobert, for example, for nothing, you know, mm. just, just to clear out. Um, I was so, thinking of their schedule. They've got, I mean, they could. They got the Jets this week. They got, yeah, they've got, I mean, they could take eight wins. They could still, there's an outside chance they could still, I'm hanging on to for dear life because I backed them to make the playoffs before the start of the <laughs> season. But, they, you know, they have got, it depends whether, you know, Miami will probably play them hard, even if their season uh, is. Oh, uh, yeah. And Miami always gives them trouble, you know, even exactly. before Flores. It's always a um, tough game. Yeah. So that, so it is, it is a reach. And of course they got the Bills twice. So they've got to get one out of those, which is an ask. But I don't think New England are necessarily at the stick of Falkenham stage quite yeah. yet. Again, you know, I, Buffalo's Buffalo's going to win the division. So that's, that's the playoff spot. Um, the, the wild cards will come probably two from the North uh, mm. between Cleveland, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Yeah. Who are all, you know, right now we're all in and the one that doesn't come from the North will probably come from the West. From the West. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I can't, I can't see any team in either the South or the East finishing 10 and seven, to be honest. Well, how about those Raiders? Let's go there in the West then. Winning without... Uh, with <laughs> adding, insult, adding insult to injury. Kenny and Drake, who I um, pre-season suggested, I thought was quite a canny pickup by Mike Mayock uh, and the Raiders. Uh, drafted him in different fantasy leagues I'm in. Cut him uh, and just a few days ago from a number of fantasy leagues. And then, of course, he has 73 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns, Mike. Right on cue. Well, the, one of the big questions about that Gruden team was why Kenyon Drake wasn't playing. Mm. Why did they go out and get him and then not use him? You know, because he is, um, yeah, I mean, the, why wasn't Kenyon Drake a starter from day one? Because he wasn't a great pass blocker. 
but mm. then went to Arizona and, and he shone as a runner and receiver and receiver. Right. So, you know, okay. So don't put him in when you want him to pass block, you know, mm. it's, it's like if, if he's in either have somebody else there or, you know, or, or shift your pass blocking some other way, couldn't figure out what, what Gruden um, what was, was on about. And, and one of the, the things that's been said by a number of people over the years about Gruden was that he's always in love with someone else's players. He's always in love right. with the guys he had before, yes. <laughs> you know, and he's never happy with the guys he's got uh, now. Well, he's had this with Derek Carr, you know, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And Carr had a big game. The the Raiders moved to four and two, and a significant week for them because, and this was pointed out a lot, thankfully, that this is a franchise with a real tradition of progressive behavior, right? So it was, in some ways, yeah. Well, in, in as long as you don't consider, you know, team of Jack Tatum, Ben Davidson, you know, Hacksaw, the, the, yeah. all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. as long as we leave that out, they've been very... We're, we're pushing, I didn't say it was unequivocally progressive, Mike, but yeah. it was significantly progressive. And they were. There's no doubt about that. Oh, right? yeah. Al Davis had no, you know, the, the only prejudice he had was was in favor of guys who wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a, He was, you know a pioneer in lot in lots of ways uh and it was it was funny because had we had time i would have gone into a long lecture i'll probably write it up for my patreon column this week about the choices you have in hiring head coaches between scheme and and culture basically and one of the interesting things is when you go culture i look at it as when you take the guys who aren't big name coordinators and you make them head coaches, Brian Flores. He wasn't even the defensive coordinator in England, although everyone knew he had a sharp mind. Um, Mike Tomlin, Andy Reid, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't in the coordinator spots, but they, they carried that idea that they could build a culture. Al Davis was one of the first guys to to do that sort of thing. When he hired John Madden, Mm. who was a line code, you know, Madden wasn't there for schemes. Madden was there because he got the Raiders culture. And he was and he was going to you know to make that work and and that was Al's Al's thing. It became old when Al got old, I think you know, and and just win baby wasn't going wasn't going to do it anymore in, in the NFL. Um, but they continued, you know, he continued to I wouldn't say experiment, but he continued to work work on the fringes of kind of like personnel management, his own instincts, they became less than like, you know, he, he tended to want guys who could run fast in his last, in his last yeah, years, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. he built a great four by 100 meter relay team, but not necessarily a good football team. <laughs> he would bay he was seven. Yeah. I think it's probably the pinnacle but, of that. You know, I, I think, I think Gruden uh, culture wise, I, if I were a player, I wouldn't be trusting John Gruden. And that's always been my impression of him. Um, so before all this broke, you you maintain that perspective of him. Is this pretty a- much? Yeah. I mean, I, I was I've not been sold on Gruden as a quarterback whisperer. I see no evidence of that in his career that he take a young quarterback and bring him along. He didn't do it at Tampa. Mm. Uh, he didn't do it at Oakland. He did it. You know, Rich Gannon was his, was his quarterback in right. Oakland. He won the Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's defense. And Brad Johnson, at quarterback, he couldn't wait to move on from Brad Johnson. Right. First, first chance he got. Um, now, it, you know, I'm not sure how much those emails play to Bruce Allen, for whom I have an even, I have a much lower regard than, than John Root Gruden, 
you know, I, but this it's it's the kind of stuff that if politicians do it, they get away with it by saying it's locker room talk. Yes. I mean, in fairness, the emails John Gruden said, you know, there's nothing that Donald Trump said before he, he got elected president and every, everybody knew it. So obviously our social standards for football coaches are a lot higher than they are for, for presidents. <laughs> let's let's talk what happened if we're staying in the West, what's happened to the Broncos, Mike, because injuries. That's the sole reason that they not the sole reason, but it's I think it's the big well, one. Were we not overhyping them at three and oh? Mm, they hadn't beaten it. They, they had not beaten a team that had won a game. Um, right. So, so I, yes, we were, I wasn't, but, but people were overhyping, hyping them at the time. Um, they should be an explosive offensive team and they're, they're not quite, which leads me to think that I may have been overhyping Teddy a bit um, mm. because Teddy might be a game manager uh, more or less uh and he, he he's kind of retreating into tyrod taylor territory right um which is not a bad thing i mean you know tyrod taylor's not a bad quarterback yes but he's not you know There's he's not an too explosive. Many quarterbacks around him yeah yeah, that's, yeah exactly he's kind of the guy you always want to be able to move on from when, right when when you've got him fits would be kind of in that category category yeah, that 26 well. to 32 ranking and you take the rookies out of that those guys that have been around a few years and uh so other games I want to talk about. Well, let's look at the Browns and getting blown up Ooh, because yeah. injury. We're talking injuries, of course. That's a, a key reason why they are uh, on the skids at the moment. Uh, we've got to give props to to Baker though for the hail mary, and in particular the Fox director because this was obviously <laughs> the end of the first half, and the Fox director cut to one of the best. What the sure have I just seen shots of Kyler Murray from the sidelines? It was amazing, amazing. <laughs> Uh, at a I mean, spot, you, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna cut to somebody watching a hail mary, it shouldn't be the smallest guy on the field. <laughs> um, right. But but base basically, yes. Um, I don't know about Baker's injury. How much? You know, I mean, mm. if we talk about Tua with the broken rib, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and and anyone who's had one knows how painful that is. Oh yeah. Um, in, in any circumstance, when you do anything, that like trying to play quarterback in the NFL, it's a fair point. playing quarterback in the NFL with a separated shoulder on your other arm you know not your throwing arm but it's still going to affect you it's going to affect you every time you're hit mm. um it's got to upset the kind of your kind of rhythm so so there's that but but basically the problem with the browns was injury to this to the extent not only both their starting tackles but hubbard the third tackle was already on ir yeah you know, who is basically a good third tackle he he did that role in pittsburgh for a number of years um so that that hurts you, especially against a team with a good outside pass rush. Mm. Um, and the Browns are a team that run play action and run Baker from a moving pocket and stuff. And they found themselves moving into that outside pass rush too off, all too often. Nick Chubb wasn't playing. Sure. It's like every saying, nice. "Oh, the offensive line." Nick Chubb wasn't playing. You know, yeah. you could you could argue that the the Browns were are too, offensively or two back version of Tennessee. You know, and what they want right. to do is be a run first team and control so, control the clock. And then yeah. you look and say, who's he throwing to? You know, yes, does he really sure. does he really have? Beckham's, yeah. I mean, yeah. it, is it really stretching another team's defense? I don't think so. So let me ask you this then: if we, we're talking about the 
the deep waters of the playoffs and a point that you and I have got into pretty much from the start of the season, certainly in recent weeks about the Chiefs, right? And the book on the Chiefs right now outside of, uh, and of course they bounce back. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you the book on the Chiefs was written by a French surrealist in about, <laughs> in about 1912, <laughs> you know, and illustrated by, by Pablo Picasso. Uh, love it. Like was Cameron, the Chiefs. Uh, the, um, the, the line re-upped not enough weapons beneath the A-listers. Everybody's worked the Chiefs out. This is the, the narrative. You know how to beat them. Tampa blueprint. You talked about it yourself. They yep. know how to cut out the deep ball uh, and the slice and dice isn't going to cut it anymore. There's confidence with Andy Reid, with Mahomes. The fact that on paper, if not in practice, there is talent beneath Kelsey and beneath Tyreek Hill on that roster. That there, there, You can have faith at least a hold a belief that they will find a way around that there's a versatility to that overall setup is that the problem with the browns that for all the offensively specifically i'm talking about here that for uh, for all the progress stefanski has instilled keep it simple with baker he's good at that level great ground game that is it's too one dimension if we're talking about defenses working teams out is is that the problem with with the browser you take away to your point mike one or two key pieces and they they unravel i mean remember remember the the browns couldn't hold on and beat the chiefs when they had they had the chiefs beaten and then couldn't hold on for the win 32 32 29 was it um so yeah i think i think you're right in in, to an extent there but what what you what you just described makes me now think that you could make a really good comparison between stefanski's old team the Browns mm. and the Vikings, mm. you know, and, and sure. the, the Vikings had a very Brown-like win in Carolina, and they're always going to kind of backdoor cover one of the playoff spots, you <laughs> right, know, right. and then and then go out in the first round. And right now the Browns have the feeling of that kind of team. Great defense. On a, on a good day. Yeah, yeah, their defense is, is awfully reliant on the pass rush. Um, I think, I think, People over. I I thought that I thought the, the secondary would be much better with the guys they they picked up and they haven't yeah. really they haven't really played to that level um, so far. Uh, and maybe it's, played and Newsom's hardly hardly played. Yeah, Newsom's been, is was back, but not not really a factor. Ward's a great player. You know, you expected you expected uh, Johnson to be a real upgrade at safety. Hill's a good nickel, nickel corner. Yeah. Greedy is a big name, but I haven't really seen, you know, he <laughs> good name as well as a big name. The best thing. Yeah. Best thing he's done so far is get away with one of the worst holding things I've ever seen. Um, but um, I, so I, th- I think that that's where they are right now. Um, and, you know, and that offense, the difference in one sense is that offensive line because when with the two tackles there with treader at center healthy um they are one of the best offensive lines in the league they can grind the ball out and then everything baker does and and stefanski calls looks really good um because of that And, and it's when minnesota had their really bad year was partly because zimmer lost too many defensive players to be able to make up to but also because cook and Madison are able to to run the ball, you know, and and they can they can do that. Was um, that the Norv year when Norv left mid season? Um, that was the year before. The year before, um, I think last year it was last it was last year with um, 
Oh, last know, year you're talking about, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he I'm, let he let so many defensive players go for cap reasons. He's brought back a couple this year. Yes. When they could get him more cheaply. Um, what so, about the cards, Mike? Because well, that was a great win for the cards. Yeah, I mean, they were but they were rolling this time last year, right? I know yeah. Kyler got banged up, so that's obviously instrumental. But do you see at, remove that from the equation? And I know it's a significant part of the equation. That's a big part. Yeah. <laughs> do you see that? Do you see a, 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 outside of Kyler a significant? or at least a tangible improvement year on year elsewhere yes. in the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think this year the defense is, well, I'm not the only person to notice this, but the defense has really won games for them. Yeah. Um, and it's a really good defense. Vance, Vance Joseph has done a, a good job, you know, which is what he's done as coordinator most of the places that he's been. Um, I liked OC giving Chandler Jones. I'm not sure he's the most underrated player because lots of people have noticed how good he is, but he, that's certainly the OC and I always tend to agree. I remember when we had that thing and he was like, it was like I, he was giving me a, a one-on-one test, you know, and like, <laughs> who's the most underrated player in the league. I said, Jarrell Casey. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's like yeah. it was like uh, jaws dropped in the in yeah. the room. But yeah, but but Chandler Jones is is a great football player, you know, and, and has been um, for a no, for a number of years. Uh, and they've they've got a defense that is both tough up front, but it's also multiple. Mm. Uh, so Vance Joseph can do can do lots of lots of different things with it. I I picked the Browns to win that game. Um, before the, you know, if I had known both tackles that went well, Mike. Yeah, were declared, were declared out, I probably, I pro and Chubb was out, I probably wouldn't have. But you know, going into that, I thought, you know, the Browns, and I think, I think, would well, either Jason Rossi said it yesterday as well about the Browns. You were saying well, who do you really like, and said one of them OC. said the Browns. Oh, said the Browns. Yeah, because yeah. the because you look at the Browns, and that was a New York Giants kind of team. You know, they right. they can. They can control the ball on the ground. They can hit yeah. the occasional big play and the defense comes at you with pass rush and, and frustrates you. Um, but yeah, they couldn't the do, Eli's, they can't do that now. You yeah. Know? Yeah. They um, can't do it. And Eli's got more to him than Baker, but it will, that will save that for another. That's true too. You no, know, that's a very good point. That's, that's one, you know, that's one to discuss at some point um, because Eli's got that deep, you know, that, that kind of deep, um, I don't care if I throw five interceptions. Yes. In, I'm going to still take that deep shot. And that's, yeah, what, yeah, they, yeah. that's what they Unfazable. need. Unfazable. Unfazable. Uh, right. I'd wanted to skate on because there are a couple of other uh, big games I want to talk about, big narratives anyway. Uh, how did the Ravens put the brakes on this Chargers offense? How, why were they so effective? Wow. Wink. Wink is so good. <laughs> if if Wink doesn't get if Wink doesn't get some head coaching interviews, I, I don't know I don't know you know you know Joe Cullen's a, co a coordinator that people are taking his assistants Cully's a head coach a head coach in Houston right. Cullen's the offense the defensive coordinator uh, in Jacksonville and Wink's still doing the same thing with the Ravens and mm -hmm. um, how did they do it they I, I think people. Even though it's big name secondary, they tended to undervalue the um, the strength of that secondary. First off, um, they they got a couple of big plays, and Herbert made a cut. Well, actually, Herbert Mike Williams missed a pass, you know, down the one yard line, and in where he really should have had the catch. It was yeah. it, for him; it was a catchable ball, and it just didn't work. But when you watch the Ravens in that game, they were doing an awful lot of what's becoming very fashionable. But they've been doing it for a while. Um, you know, the stand up eight man front, 
Mm. Um, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, some call it 605 or, you know, but it, it, it's really more like, it's really more like an, an eight, three kind of from formation mm. where you don't know who's coming and who's not. And, and the Ravens are traditionally apart from the big beefs they've had back in the day. Um, and and actually not that long ago because they had Michael Pierce and mm-hmm. um, I nose tackle and stuff, but otherwise they like to have these flexible kind of defensive end outside hybrids, linebacker, yeah. hybrid types, um, quick inside linebackers. I wonder mm. Patrick Queen, Queen, I think it's been a disappointment for them, but I wonder if, if they should just switch his and Harrison's roles around and then they might be happier with both. Uh, yeah. But, but they were doing a great job of messing up, Justin Herbert in terms of what they, you know, what they were doing and, and the offensive line. And I think for all of the, um, they, they, they basically shut Austin Eckler out of making big plays as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and, and that they dominated up front. And I don't know if, if the Chargers offensive line is actually as strong as it's, it's looked because I mm-hmm. think Herbert has made it look a bit better. Um, in some ways. So, yeah, I mean, I picked, I picked the bills. Um, I picked them to cover, uh, although the spread wasn't that great. And I just thought, you know, the Ravens, West, the, Ravens. West, the Ravens, I mean, yeah. You West, picked the West, bills as well tonight. If you picked, I the picked the bills tonight, to obviously yeah. to cover, to cover and to cover. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The one, um, um, uh, anyway, the, I, I, I still put a lot of, factor into the um that's a mike lombardi kind of thing i put a lot of factor <laughs> yeah, i put a lot of factor lombardi. into the into the west coast east coast bio biorhythm kind of thing yeah the for, game, for games like that and mm-hmm. and i think that that probably might may have helped uh, the ravens as well too but it was a comprehensive game when you watch the ravens offense it's like it's like their running backs are like your fantasy team in 2018 <laughs> um, you know, oh Devonte freeman latavius murray yeah they're on my, i got them <laughs> still rolling it's a, it, i mean lamar's now 35 and 8 as a starter which is uh, i'm reliably informed by producer oh the most wins by a quarterback before turning 25 in, in nfl history modern uh, modern era history uh, you know, a few weeks back, Mike, you had that list of quarterbacks and you said, Jackson, you're not sure if he's on it yet, because I think of reservations about whether he has the, the same level uh, uh, in terms of what he's seeing and, and his passing ability. And, and I'm not being challenged to say, well, a couple of weeks is that completely revised your opinion. But has he taken a few steps further forward to getting on that Carlson list? Basically? To be honest, I did last week and, 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 the, and I thought it was kind of a step back this week. Mm. Not, not that he played badly or anything, and but they obviously they went back to the run. They weren't going to throw the ball forty times like they did last week. Yeah. Um, but watching watching the passes, I'm I'm still not convinced about that the consistency. Um, you know, Mark and he and Mark Andrews have this great connection. They they had Andrews quite a bit. Um, Hollywood Brown couldn't quite make a catch. Um, you know, that's, and that's still going to be a bit of a worry and they got Bateman back. Um, yes. he wasn't yeah. a huge factor, but, but that presence, start to, he can yeah. do what he's supposed to do, you know, which was be draw the ex, ex receiver, draw attention, run slants and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I get the feeling by the end of the year that Jackson is going to be ripping teams apart, mm. passing, passing, but I, I'm still waiting, waiting to see it 
actually happen. Okay, um, uh, we'll watch that space. Uh, a couple more for you, Iron Mike, before we get out of Dodge. Uh, Dan Campbell, after the, the Lions' <laughs> latest defeat, uh, laying into Jared Goff. And Campbell has set out a store from press conference one, right? In terms of, we know what we're going to get from him as a head coach, but he uh, didn't pull any punches. He needs to step up and make some throws. Uh, so if we, we're bringing that back to the discussion about old school coaching and the Coughlin carry the ball around the facility all day if you fumble. And does this style of coaching work anymore? Mm. It's drill sergeant. Not really. Um, I think you need to have a, a certain degree of reality about it. I mean, the part he's, most of what he's predicted has come true. They've been knocked down on their knees and they keep fighting, but they can't yeah. get up off their knees. Right. And I said, I said with you, um, you know, back in the summer sometime, the, the merger of Dan Campbell with Jared Goff made no sense at all. This is not the kind of quarterback. If Dan Campbell wants to run that kind of team, Jared Goff's not the kind of quarterback to, to run it. You know, this is not, uh, now they couldn't run the ball. Once they fall behind, they can't bother to run the ball, but they couldn't run it at the beginning. So if you're going to build a run first team, you got to be able to run the ball. Um, Goff's not a pocket passer. We, we know that he's not going to sit you got, you know, you have to run play action. You, you have to move him around. That's what frustrated Sean McVay so much, um, which is why he was willing, you know, to make, to make that trade or wanted to make that trade. I think Dan Campbell would be happier with Fitz at quarterback. Yeah. 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 To to be honest. Um, And maybe they ought to be looking at something, at something like that. Um, But, you know, to, to kind of, to kind of throw Jared Goff under the bus for being Jared Goff seems to me kind of unfair. Mm -hmm. You know, he, we know what he can do. Well, he's got a nice arm. Um, he can, he can make throws. It's up to your co it's not necessarily Dan Campbell, but you know, it's up to him and his offensive coordinator to create an offense that can right. make the golf more him. effective. Yeah. 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 Um, I couldn't you know, agree more. And- you know, if, if you misread a guy coming out of college, fair play, you've, you've misread him. You thought you could coach him up. If you misread a guy after you've got, you know, three years of NFL film yeah. to watch, right, right. then it's your fault, not his. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great point. And you, in the same way that a coordinator will get thrown under the bus to, uh, to keep the head coach rolling a little bit longer, it's a shade of that at the moment that Campbell yeah, is and, and, uh, and the quarterback. He, he should be he, doing more. You know, okay, he's throwing the gauntlet down to Jared Goff to step up. But what mm. does this say to your teammates? You know, you, your quarterback's got to be in a leadership position. Um, and so, you, you, you know, if the coach is saying quarterback's not making plays, that's why we're losing. That's not why yeah, the Lions, yeah, that's still that's get why the Lions are losing. Thanks, boss. The, uh, what's Michael Brock is saying about the situation? That's what I want to <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Bring me back to St. Louis. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one more on Sunday night football. And uh, Gino almost getting it done for Seattle. Do you think that he can keep them in contention? Yeah, that was the game I wish I'd, I didn't bet it. Um, I, I, wish I'd picked Seattle plus the points. Mm. Um, I didn't have enough faith in Gino. Um, and, you know, I, I, I could see it being a close game, but I just, I just kind of thought there's, there's, there's that, there's that smell of the jets about Gino, <laughs> oh, which, which is on. kind of, which is unfair. I, I, I take it, I take it back. It was unfair. I was ex- exaggerating for effect. And, um, even Rufus didn't didn't bark at that one. That's how. Uh... No, he you know, and and I thought you know, they kept it close. They they could have 
they could have won. Um, Tomlin was complaining about that. Um, the last, the tying field goal. Um, but realistically is complaint, you know, and I agree with him. I hate it when they review a play that doesn't need reviewing and it creates, it creates, um, a timeout for the team that doesn't have a timeout. Mm. You know, the play, the play didn't need reviewing. The, the effect was the same, whether the pass was complete or in, incomplete. Um, they got an extra second out of it or something like that, but that didn't affect the, the, the result of the game. So, um, so the complaint really wasn't that, um, that strong. And Pittsburgh is such a limited team, right? That's why that's, you know, so can, can that's why know, I that's why I should have given Seattle should, more credit. should have given them more credit. So based on what you've seen, can can he keep them in the playoff hunt? At least a, a light touch chance. Yeah, that's going to be a harder a harder thing because the the frustrating thing about Seattle is that no matter what they do, no matter which offensive coaches they bring in, no matter which line coaches they bring in, they still wind up being the same offense, which depends in the end on Russell Wilson making plays yeah. on third and long, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. In, right. and in the fourth quarter, and and you know, putting the best spin on Geno, he's not that guy. Right. And, you know, if they were, if, if you were asking him to run a, a pretty steady four quarter kind of offense that didn't require Russell Wilson type chunk plays, yes. then fair enough. But, I, you know, I think he, he's going to, he's going to be left in the lurch by, by the Seahawks. Um, and in that division, that could be, that could be the kiss of death. Now the D mm. put and, him in Cleveland and he'd be fine is what you're saying. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point. Um, that's that, that would be a very interesting experiment. I love mm-hmm. those switch the quarterbacks. You know, the classic one was Brady and Manning, Manning and right. back in the Patriots cold stage. You know, if you move them to the other teams, would they be, yeah. would they be as effective, you know, and, and in, that, on that. in that one, I always said that um, Manning, <laughs> Manning it, it would depend. It would depend because Brady had already shown himself to be adaptable. Yes. He could play in any sort of a system because Belichick required him to play in multiple, multiple offensive systems. systems. This is the key, right? He's, a, he's just a system quarterback. Well, yeah. And, uh, and Peyton, uh, multiple pl- systems. Peyton played his whole career in a Peyton offense. Yes. You know, uh, that was designed for him, if not by him. By him. <laughs> and, and always the, the same central, kind of yeah. thing. And they just executed it so well that no yeah. one could stop them. So would Peyton be willing to adjust or would Bill be willing to adjust saying, well, we've got Peyton, we don't need to adjust. And I think the difference was when they got into the playoffs, people always said, oh, Peyton's defense let him down, you know. And But when you looked at it in reality, their defense was designed to allow 21 points and Peyton would get 28 or more and they would win games. What Mm -hmm. happened in the playoffs was they allowed 21 points, but other teams defense would keep, would keep Peyton down around 21 points as well. And the games would turn, would turn into tight games and they lost, you know, they lost as many of them as they won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And, and that's one of the anomalies of the, of the NFL is, you know, when, and we tend, especially early in the season to overvalue teams wins against teams that turn out to be not so good. Right. In the end, now, you know, part of that is, is self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, But, you know, look at the Patriots. You are what, 
Bill Parcell's most famous quote, maybe you are what your record says you are. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, God, they were close. They could have had a win here. You know, they Mm -hmm. should have beaten the Jets. They had the Jets beaten. And then Harris fumbled, you know, they got, you know, they, they could be what three and three instead Mm -hmm. of two and four, you know, three and four and two instead of two and four, but they're two and four. And that's probably what, what kind of a team they are. The Jags, the Jags and, and Miami are both one and five teams. That's probably the kind of teams that they are. Yeah. 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 It's a great point. And, and a fine point to end on, I'm Mike. You mentioned your Patreon column. Uh, let's send our listeners to check that out. So it's patreon.com forward slash. Don't forget the forward Mike slash. Carlson FMTE, Friday morning tight end, but it never drops on Friday morning. It's always <laughs> Friday afternoon because um, there's a lot of writing in there. Um, and uh, if I do say so myself, I recommend it, you know, because last week's was a long take on John Gruden. One on uh, the week before was one on penalties, uh, you know, so I do tend to kind of do the essay thing rather than pick all the games like I used to do. Uh, and I find it much more rewarding, well, if not, if dive. not financially. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough of that uh, at the deep dive long read around. So I recommend you go and check it out. Uh, and educate yourself just a little bit with Carlson Stylings. Uh, brilliant stuff. You've uh, certainly educated us over the last hour. I'm Mike, as you always do. And you'll be back next week uh, in our regular review yep. spot. Thank you. Enjoy Thank you. Week, Much appreciated. And yeah, Talk we got to we got to do another football game together. We uh, do. I know. We got to. We got Germany's calling, Mike. Germany next year. We got to get a road trip for that one. That'll be fun. Willkommen nach American football. Meet Mike Carlson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't used to be on Germany. Euro. I might become the Iron Duke if we could do it in Germany. Wasn't that the old gag that you were on? I'm on Eurosport, but not in this country. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> used to yeah. not be on in this country. <laughs> How are we going to watch you, Mike? Uh, look after yourself, bud. Thanks, mate. Lovely stuff from Iron Mike. This is his spot. Every week, catch Iron Mike on Mondays, looking back at all the weekend's action. If you haven't already, subscribe to us wherever you listen to us, because that way you won't miss a trick, because we've got episodes dropping thick and fast. The College Days franchise, courtesy of our resident college expert, Ben Isaacs. Brilliant stuff already in the can, already in the vault there. Ben looking at all the top prospects in college. So you will be up to speed. You'll be ahead of the curve. You'll be able to drop the pub ammo with your mates about receivers, cornerbacks that they don't know anything about. And you can slide in on the inside rail with the stuff that Ben has given you. Edge rush, me and Propo, the the unders king of Plumpton. (laughs) That is a lot of fun. That drops Fridays, maybe early Saturdays sometimes, getting you set for the weekend, all the edge there as well. And I've got to say, gang, we're on fire at the moment. We, I, hey, I, I don't like to be too self-congratulatory, but we are on fire at the moment. We will explain more on this week's episode, but pretty much everything that we called last week came to fruition. Marek Larwood, comedian and Detroit Lions fan, dropping by a bit later on this week. I know he is a fan favorite, so I'm really looking forward to catching up with him. We'll always preview the weekend's action as well as reviewing it with Iron Mike the following Monday. So this is your stop for all the best NFL coverage this season. Great lineup of guests. Stay with us. Subscribe to us at The NC Show on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Still no TikTok. Or still have to watch The Wire. What are you going to do? We'll see you Thursday with Marek. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.